Hello, my friends. You are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly, and I am your host. I'm here to share my entrepreneurial journey with you, and we'll be bringing on some amazing women who've been helping me, mentoring me, and inspiring me on how Grit and Grace helps them crush it in business, relationships, fitness, family, friends, and all that good stuff. Now, let's get started. Welcome back to Grit and Grace. I have Julie Holunga today, and she's a speaker, trainer, and executive coach who works with female business leaders to build the communication skills they were never taught in school. She worked at Harvard University, where, among others, she met Quincy Jones, Al Gore, and I'm not sure who else, but some really special people that we're going to hear about today. And she also, which is really close to my heart, she married a Canadian, and apparently she also married into the sport of hockey which yes. is great. Nice yeah. to have you, Julie. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's funny that the first time we spoke, we connected over hockey and, yes. ca- and Canada, pretty yes. much. Yes, yes. Yeah. I love it. It's where I spend all my weekends. Yeah. Sometimes it's... I'd rather not. <laughs> in hockey, you mean not in yes. Canada. She doesn't no. fly to Canada No, every not every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I spent 14 years in Toronto. So, you know, my kids were raised, my son specifically, in the hockey realm. So when yes. we moved back to Colorado, it was coming into the United States hockey scene is so different than the Canadian hockey scene. So different. It is. It is. It is. It's an interesting uh, world to be in. Right. And I'm sure that you have taught your kids the effective way that um, how to communicate as a hockey parent, because hockey parents can be a special breed. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that is, in fact, uh, my son and one of his buddies have just decided to start a, a list of common uh, phrases that parents, mostly dads, say in the hockey stands. It's pretty um, hysterical. That's I, so funny. Give, yes. us, give us a few examples because well, that's um, too funny. He'll be so embarrassed. But uh, the biggest one is when dads say, you know, when the puck is at center ice, shoot it. Yeah. And it always is this deep voice, shoot it. Um, let's see some other ones are ref. You're asinine. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Let's see. It's always pass it to my son. Yeah. Or in my case, my daughter as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Both yes. your kids play. Yes. Yeah. I'm fairly familiar with all those. I mean, I, I may have been one of those hockey moms that spends, <laughs> has spent a lot of time yelling, put him in the Yes. <laughs> not my kid of course right of course it's always the, the person that one. hit my kid yeah. yeah yeah so i because when we lived in canada they rolled out this new rule that you couldn't check um there was no checking which for those of you that do not know hockey that's when you slam the other person into the boards yes and when you're a parent and it's your kid it's a kind of a different feeling yes. than when you watch it on tv and it's yes. the nhl um so they stopped from like i don't know it's like 13 to 17 so like the height of aggressiveness right in kids they took it away yeah they right. took it away whereas moving back to Colorado was still full contact and yeah. um yeah I mean it's it's part of the sport I think that that's I I have mixed feelings on it but yeah I'm yeah, sure and I've heard in, in Quebec it's just the top tier or the top two tiers that allow checking yeah yeah I can yeah. see why it yeah. makes sense both sides Right. But, but having the, a daughter who's going yeah. into that stage where she will start checking next year, I'm not excited about it. Interesting. So yes. is she aggressive? She is aggressive, but she's 70 pounds and she's skating mm. against 
kids who are a foot taller and 50 pounds heavier. Right. Yeah. We need to teach her some really, maybe she needs to go take like some like wrestling. Actually, she yes. should come take some Krav Maga classes. Yes, not, I was just thinking. <laughs> not that I wanted to Krav Maga her fellow hockey players, but it might it might bring right. out some aggressiveness right. in her. But it's more the, the size, right? Like she's, yeah. she's aggressive. In fact, she just got a penalty this weekend for, um, yeah, she gets a lot of penalties. But um, this one was instigating. So I don't have a problem with that, but she, the size, when you're talking about someone who's 120, 130 pounds hitting a 70-pound mm. individual. Yeah, she's going to have to start to be, to be really fast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that that should be our goal. Yeah, yeah, make her fast. All right, well, yes. that's really interesting. But thank you for coming on. Yes. I, I love this topic about communication because, as you know, not just here, but in my, my whole realm, I spend a lot of time communicating. And I think it's one of the things the most interesting about you is that you teach people how to be more effective communicators. And that carries over in all aspects of life, right? Yes, yes, definitely. We're, our focus is... You know, we'll, we'll work on how you're communicating in the workplace with your teams, with your peers, with people who report to you, with those senior to you. But I always get feedback at the end. Oh, I'm going to use this with my husband or I'm going to use this with my partner. or I'm going to try this on my teenage kid. And it really parlays into everything that we do and how we behave in general in life. Yeah, how did you get into this business? Like, what made you want to become a communication coach? Well, it's funny. So I grew up in Europe and started elementary school in Paris mm. and went in the first day of elementary school in first grade and obviously didn't speak French. And so really picked up, obviously was not cognizant of it then, but now yeah. I know that kids pick up on everything that's going, that they're hearing and they're seeing and they're they're in tune with all that. They're not inside their head <laughs> so much. And right. so I, I had that experience of three months not understanding what the teacher was giving directions, but would notice that the person sitting next to me would pull out a piece of paper. So I would pull out a piece of paper. And I learned that way that there's so much else in communication besides and in addition to our words. And uh, when we moved to Paris, my grandfather said to me, by the time I see you at Christmas time, you will be fluent, and he was right. And I remember at the time thinking, there's no way that I'm going to learn a new language in three months. Wow. But I did. That's amazing. Yeah, but How that's the beauty you? of being six. Yeah. You're not worrying about other things. And yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So that, yes. that nonverbal part of communication is, yes. is a big piece. Yes, yes. And I started when we were still lived in Boston, and I worked at Harvard Business School, and I was working with female alumni who were in transition of some kind. Either they had been out of the workforce and on a voluntary career break, taking care of kids, or they were a, a trailing spouse living all over the world, or they were in transition, they'd been in a client-facing role, and now they didn't want to be on a plane you know, two or three times a week. They wanted to be doing something more um, back, back of the house sort of role, right. that I realized that I see this in both genders, but I really started seeing it then in women, where we use words that undermine ourselves and, and mm -hmm. sort of put this, plant a seed of doubt in our audiences, unintentionally, of course, but there are things that we do and say that are just undermining what we're really trying to 
to do. I find that so fascinating because, you know, I spent a lot of time talking about the fact that, you know, women are at a disadvantage in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. I, I, I can be honest and say that I didn't really understand that until I started my own business. Right. Because I wasn't disadvantaged in my career because I was like a, you know, like a bull at a china shop. That's just my, my personality. But when I, I realized that we are, we are, you know, less than 2% chance of success as female right. business owners, especially, and you're talking CEOs, and it's kind of the same in the sense of what we do to hold our ourselves exactly. back and how we don't stay at the table and using our voice is is something that we are not always very good at right right and we have so much going against us why we don't need to add to that yeah and do you think that that stems from self-confidence well it's interesting a couple of years ago I was preparing for a talk and it was around how women were taking themselves out of situations right and, and like not putting themselves in the game for a promotion or um, not coming forward and saying, I want to be part of that engagement or I want to work with that client. And I was preparing for this talk and part of the research that I was doing was around that shift, that what was happening in teenagers and young girls that then translated and kept with them in the workplace. Mm. And at the time my daughter was in second grade and I asked her, who speaks up in class? Who answers the teacher's questions? And immediately she said, all the girls. The girls are smarter. The girls really? know everything. And that's grade two. That was, yeah, grade two. Or yeah. for, let me translate Sorry, that. Sorry, grade. See, the Canadian yes. comes out yes. of me as soon as but we start talking. I understand you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so yes. glad. No. Yeah, so second yes. grade. So in second grade, the boys were not speaking up. And not that they were holding back, but they were probably... You know, they're boys. They're kind of goofing around. Maybe they're not paying attention. But the girls were demonstrating their assertiveness. And so then I then I started thinking about what happens if in second grade this is the case. And granted, that is one sample. You know, it's yeah. not yeah, across but it the start, board. It but sparked the conversation for yes, you. Yes. Yeah. What was happening? And I started doing some research. And there were some a couple of things that I found that I found really interesting. And one of them being that girls at the age of 13 tend to remove themselves, quit, um, go at a lower level from their primary sport. And primary sport being what they started with, what they really enjoyed, what they were focused on for our kids, hockey, and they quit. And then I started looking at the the kids that I knew. So just the sample size, you know, kids we knew, kids in school, and I started seeing that. And what Mm -hmm. I was seeing was, it got catty, it got too competitive, it wasn't the fun that they used to have, and they removed themselves from that situation, which I understand happens. Right, because as girls, we are the mo- we are most judgmental of each other. Right. It, it, the truth right. is we really are. This Most of the pressure you're talking about isn't coming from boys, right? It's coming no. from our, our peers. Yes, yes. And at 13, that's a hard age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the 13 yeah. is so hard. And boys might judge each other and poke fun of each other, but they get over it really quickly. Mm-hmm. And the girls, it, it's, it stems and, and kind of takes root there. Right. So, so then all of these things start playing into our confidence. And when I do trainings or do keynote talks on confidence, on this strong leadership language, I always get a question or a comment that someone shares, well, when I was early on in my career or when I was in high school or when I was in middle school, I had a teacher, I had a co- coworker, I had a boss who said, hey, Teverly, sl- slow down, you know, mm. take your foot off the gas here, like, just be nice. Mm. I had one woman tell me that she was called 
well, let's just say a witch that starts with a B. Yeah, nice way right? of saying that. Right? Yeah. And yeah, and and that holds her back then. Then she doesn't want to put her foot forward. She doesn't want to claim ownership or say, no, 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 I, I did that work. And so it just kind of, it's little things that can stick with us and then really take root and hold us back and in, wrongly encourage us to use weak language and to to preface things, to put ourselves down. So it creates this template in us that we should stay small. Exactly. And it, it makes us move our chair back from the table. Exactly. Like I actually keep it like a visual to me that women need to stay at the table, center front, leaning forward and in the conversation. But over time, you know, we become, you're saying we become more sensitive to all that feedback. Whereas for men, they just don't care. I right. mean, it's, it's just not ingrained in them. So how do we address this? This is right. a big problem. And yes. this is this is not common to you and I having this conversation. I'm sure that you've realized over the course of your career that this is a lot of women. Oh, I mean, yes. far, far majority of yes. women. And I will tell you, I listened to my favorite author being interviewed on NPR and she's using weak language. Now, she's a New York Times bestselling author. She uh, has accomplished so much she's great education and there are times that I hear the weak language there are other mm -hmm. things that she's doing to compensate for that right it's not just you use strong leadership language and your career is going to skyrocket there are other things that still have to be in play right. yeah I mean I wish I could if I could just talk like this <laughs> right. all day right would, right no but I understand what you're saying so okay yes. so give me an example yes. of what a uh, what you mean by weak language right so I recently was doing a talk for um, in New York and there was it was early on on a Friday morning and there was, I don't know, two or 300 people in the room and this woman, I'm talking about using weak language and this woman raises her hand and she says, I can't believe I'm about to share this in front of all of you, but I think this is a weak phrase. And she said, I have been known to regularly say, pardon my ignorance. Oh. And this whole room, just like you just did, just sort of this gasp of, oh, no. And she knew yeah. it. And it, the funny thing was is that there were two things that she said in that. Obviously, pardon my ignorance, and I'll go in, into that further. But she also said, I think this is weak. Mm -hmm. So when you plant that seed of doubt, as I said, already I'm thinking, oh, she, she thinks this is, but she's not sure what's going on and that's what's going through my brain without me being cognizant of it. So she explained that she goes into meetings with, she's on the back end of a, um, in professional services. She's in the back end, she doesn't deal with clients on a regular basis. And so she had a question to ask to explain the challenge that they were trying to solve. She was brought into the meeting because of her expertise and what she does. But she didn't know the client that well, she didn't know the circumstances. So rather than asking and jumping in to her question, she prefaced it by saying, pardon my ignorance, and then asked her question. Wow. So I said to her, what would have happened if you had not skirted around the issue and jumped right in and said, and asked your question? And would something like, I don't understand this, can you clarify? Sure. That's a stronger statement yeah. than pardon my ignorance. Because right. she's basically saying, I don't understand, right. give me clarification. Yeah, I, I'm not smart, I'm an idiot. This, you know, But to say, can you clarify this for me? Help me understand where you're coming from. Mm, These are wow. all much stronger phrases, sentences, 
I encourage people to jump right in. I'm, I'm thinking about how if I do that and what words <laughs> I, I might use. I'm going to have to start. You know what? Here's what I'm going to do. And this is what I would encourage all my listeners to do. Maybe we should make this a call to action on this podcast. Yeah. If you are listening to this podcast and you come across yourself saying something that you think is a, a, a weak language, a, a point of weak language, note it down, email us, and yes. Julie and I, we will talk to you. We will we'll set up maybe a, a, a group Zoom call, and I'll yes. put this in the show notes, that focus on your weak language, make some notes, and let's do like a group call about this, because I think so many people can learn. Okay, right. give us another example, because okay, this so, is so good. Right, and and I will tell you, don't uh, don't hesitate now when you're talking to me, because I have people say, I, I don't want to open my talk. mouth. I'm not going to talk anymore, <laughs> yes. just in case. Julie's listening. Um <laughs> uh, so one of the the, the, the words that is, is bad is when you're saying, I believe or I think. Now, I make a distinction here because I always get pushback on this. When you're in a brainstorming session and everyone's throwing out ideas, yes, you can use I believe, I think. When you find yourself using it, check in with yourself. If you say, I think, I think we should do X, Y, and Z, check in with yourself. Do you know that's the right, right course of action? Do you know that will bring us success? Then take out I think. If it's my sense is, that's a different story. You can then replace it with, if you're confident this is the way to go, you can say I'm confident we need to take this path. Or you can say my recommendation is, or I suggest. If there is you're trying something new, you're being innovative, and there is no uh, path before you that you can say, given my experience, this is what like we should do. Like you're just spitballing pretty yeah, much. Yeah, you really don't know. You can say something like, given the data we have, this, this is the path we should take. It's so funny because people can't see. We're not doing a video. Um, but if people could see a video, even for you to say the words, I yeah. think, talking about nonverbal communications, you know your eyes like did that up look, right? <laughs> because we do right. that. When we're not sure of exactly. something, we have all these other, which we're, we should talk about because we yes. started with these nonverbal, right. this nonverbal way that we communicate. But even just you saying that, yes. you, your eyes went right. upward towards the ceiling. Right. And we know that that's um, a lack of confidence exactly. when you make a statement. So I, that must be painful for you to yes, say. Yes, it is. It is. That's so why I have to pause. <laughs> so I always just say to people, like, be committed to what you're going to say. So mm -hmm. if you're deliberate in the words that you choose, and like, my family's from New York, we talk fast. Mm. I've had to train myself to slow down. And I catch myself sometimes saying, I think, especially when I'm coaching someone and I don't want to step on their toes. I will stop and say, hold on a second, and I will rephrase it. And that's one way that you can catch yourself and change that behavior. I think you're making good points because the reason why we are using those words is, again, probably lack of confidence yes. or that, that fear that we talked about, which I want to talk about how you address yes. getting over that because that's got to be a big hurdle yes. because it doesn't matter if I write down the words and, and practice using more powerful yes. language if I don't believe it. Exactly. It's not going to resonate. Exactly. Exactly. And so being Canadian, I'm going to poke fun of you here, yeah. living in a household of Canadians. Yes. Uh, the one of the worst offenders is apologizing when you're not to blame. Sorry. Sorry. 
or as many of my Canadians friends say, pardon, pardon, pardon. Yeah, yes. I, in fact, I, but I do think, okay, I, we just have to talk about, we have to be Canadians for a minute. Yes. Don't you just find, though, in Canada, people are more polite when yes. they say pardon me yes. or pardon instead of excuse me, excuse me, and we right. bomb people out of the way. I've taught my kids, they use pardon, and yes. people are like, what did you, like, what? What's that mean? <laughs> yes. Yes. So in manners, okay. But yes, we do, but, we do apologize a lot. It's a common phrase. It's a reactive phrase. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I often, here's, here's a story of um, someone shared with me that she was pulling together together information for a board meeting and she had to pull together from half a dozen different people and everyone turned in the information except for one individual she emailed him she called him she called the assistant she stopped by his office and she didn't get the materials in time to distribute to the board meeting they go to the board meeting and this individual of course is upset that his information isn't included in the board packet well whose fault is that his so he came over to this woman and said, I'm really frustrated, and why didn't you include this? And I need it, and da, da, da. And she said, you, you missed the deadline, and I'm sorry. And, and then he said, ah, no worries, and walked away. And what effectively had happened was he had passed to her the responsibility, mm. and she took it. And once she took it, when she was holding that responsibility and that blame, she was pissed. She was mad. Yeah. And then she realized, I apologize, and I took that responsibility. She it was started, his. But she started it exactly. right by saying, you didn't get the materials right. in on time. Right. And, but and, the and, confidence dropped. Right. And he's more senior to her. And, you know, all the things that play out through our minds. Is it possible that we just don't take enough of a pause sometimes exactly that we look to fill the space and again i I do think that that comes from a lack of confidence yes but i also feel like i know for me if it's a, a situation that really matters so you're in a you know whether it's with a potential client or a boss or something that matters it's just you're having a conversation that is of significance yes having that that pause, that that quiet moment is hard because mm-hmm. your energy is ramped up, right? Your nerves are all tied into it. So taking that pause for there just to be a moment of silence is really, really hard. Right, exactly. To slow down. Yeah. Yeah, that's very hard. But when people focus on this, it can be done. They just slow down and think for a moment in that example, I'm not going to take responsibility for this. So what I coached her through if this happens to, again, and this wasn't the first time this has happened with this individual. I can, I can imagine, yes, yeah. That she's going to say, I understand your frustration because she is an empathetic person. And when she said, I'm sorry, what she was saying was, I feel for you, I get it. But she didn't want to take on the responsibility. So by saying, I understand your frustration, that doesn't take it on, but she's being empathetic. Mm. That is such a good alternative. I like that. And I, I want to go back. I have a quick question about yes. when you were referring to someone that works in the back end. So they're yes. not client. I call it external right. facing, right? Yes. They're not an external yes. facing staff or employee. Is it possible that there are just different roles that people fill really well? So there are those that um, 
you know, outgoing, gregarious, good at sales, good at the outward external facing roles, but not so good, you know, in the back end and vice versa. Is it, if that's the case, I'm going on the assumption that that's the case. If that's the case, people that work on the back end and don't client focus, is it better for them to stay in that lane or should they still develop the tools to be effective communicators? Yes. Because the truth is you have to do it sometimes right. internally, not sometimes, you have to do it internally. Yes. Um, yes. So they need to develop and focus the, their communication as right. well. Right, and that is something I always talk to people about is what I call flexing into other behaviors. So you, for instance, are gregarious. So if we put you in a back room by yourself all day, you would be going nuts. I just probably find somebody to talk to. Exactly. You would come out of that back room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. And so what I talk about is there are times that you need to flex one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And I always talk about what's called the the platinum rule, which is uh, Dr. Tony Alessandro in California talks about this platinum rule. And that's the sense of do unto others as they want done to themselves. So I translate that to speak unto others how they need to be spoken to. So you and I can have a a conversation. We're on that same level of uh, gregarious and outgoing and, and we feed off of each other. There are some people who they can do that And after that conversation, they're going into the back room and they need to fill their bucket back up. So they flexed in order to be on your podcast, for instance, Mm -hmm. and then that drained their their bucket, and then they're gonna go into where they need to go to refuel back up. That's the world we live in. We, We never can only stay in our comfort zone. Right. And there are a lot of people that have difficulties in strong communication or situations that have strength where you have to communicate like yes. you're referring to. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that it probably took me 30 years of life to figure out that people felt that way because I just right. never did feel that way. Right. I didn't even know that people felt exactly. that way. And so when you would be in meetings where people would be quiet, um, I, it took me a little while to realize how difficult it was for them when they actually did speak up or they right. got called upon. Yes, exactly. I was just going to say that. That's the thing I always tell people. Do not not say to someone, hey, Julie, what do you think about this situation? You haven't said anything. Do not put the quiet people in the room on the spot. That's really uncomfortable for them because they are internal processors. You and I are external processors. We'll talk and talk and talk. We could do this all day, really. We could. We could. Yeah. And be energized. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Might be tired, but we'll right. be energized. We'd need coffee. Yes. <laughs> but we need to process externally, meaning we speak to think. Internal processors think to speak, so they pause. They go through draft and draft and draft before they finally speak. So we've all been in meetings or conversations with people who are silent for half an hour and then say the most brilliant thing, Mm. right? And those are our internal processors. And there are times when they need to, to speak up in a meeting. So what I always recommend when I work with a team who perhaps the the boss or the leader of the team is an external processor and has a couple of internal processors on his team, which is the case you're going to have a mix, that ahead of time, you send the agenda and say, I would like you to speak about your client and the challenge they're dealing with. Because that gives that individual the opportunity to process and to think about what they want to say. Mm, Right. When I lead trainings around communication, there'll be time where we're going around the room and we're all answering the same question. I let the group decide who's going to go first because who's going to raise their hand? 
Right, the external. The external processor. Right, right. Exactly. Right. It's interesting how many times in our life we're actually in situations where you are required to answer mm-hmm. a question that you were not prepared to answer. Right. This is just life. I mean, right. it's going to happen. It doesn't right. matter what dynamic or environment you're in. You're never going to be able to just be internal all the time. And just be in your own space. Exactly. And so anytime that I'm leading a training of any kind or doing any kind of public speaking, I, if I want people to engage, I let them know ahead of time. Hmm. Here's the question I'm going to ask. Hmm. People must like that. Oh, they, of course they do, because then they're in their comfort zone. But do you think that they're not listening to you then, and they're thinking about the answer to that no, question? No, because they thought about it ahead of time. Oh, okay. So then they're able to be more present and take in, because they've been prepared. Interesting. They've, they will pr- have notes in front of them. I notice that all the time. Interesting. Yes, and the external processors, you know, if I tell them, I, I call it the matchstick rule, you know, you better be done speaking, but if I were to light a match, you gotta be done before my fingers get burned. Really, do you ever actually light a match? No, but I should. <laughs> I, I mean, I might, I might steal that. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a really good one. I mean, I could even, I mean, you, I just think even the visual of holding a match out oh, when yeah. somebody speaks, they're gonna be like, <gasps> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, and we all know who we are. I'm, I'm yeah. definitely that person who yeah. will keep talking until someone cuts me off. <laughs> uh, I'm the one who's dragged off the stage, you know, after winning it. something. But, but those, it. the internal processors will have their three points that they wanna make. They have thought about it. They probably have practiced saying it, maybe on their ride to that meeting or the training or whatever it is. Right. Because that's what works for them. Okay, so talk me through the process. So if somebody hires you and and whether, I think that everybody needs coaches in all areas of life. I talk about that a lot. And if somebody's working with you to improve their communication, I mean, you can even use me as an example. Right. I'm doing a lot of communication on a regular basis. And yes. right now it's you and I, but the reality is in the back of my mind, I know it's thousands. Right. And so it matters. And right. I, I have gotten way better. I hope you don't haven't listened to my first few podcasts. They're definitely not <laughs> my best. <laughs> um, but that's part of the journey, right? right I'm exactly. sharing this journey of becoming an entrepreneur at my age and all the things I'm doing. And so I wasn't really great at the beginning. And it was more just because I lacked the confidence of what I was talking about. Right. So how do you address that when someone right. comes to you, whether or not they have experience or not in communication? But that's, right. that to me seems like it would be the most important factor. Right. So there are a couple of things that we do. The first thing that I always do with new clients is they take a profile assessment called Emergenetics, which is absolutely phenomenal. And uh, we can include a link to it because mm. it's a, a name that that isn't easy Uh, but it is a tool that looks at seven different attributes four thinking and three behavior so one of the attributes it looks at is whether you are an external or internal processor if you don't already know if you don't already know but sometimes people fall in the middle and so it depends on the situation or the people so I have one client who will tell me all the time I'm an internal I'm a introvert so my family goes away hockey family so they go away for a tournament and she's by herself for a weekend and she'll have girlfriends calling her up let's go out to dinner let's go do this let's go for a hike let's go skiing and she's saying uh, 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 I want the time by myself she calls herself an introvert when she leaves me messages more often than not she gets cut off they are always more than two minutes long so she falls into this category of it depends it depends on the situation it depends mm-hmm. on the people it depends on what's going on 
So that this tool is phenomenal. And for from my perspective, it really helps me coach the individual. So if I know that they are structured in the way that they think, I'm going to give them homework. We're going to set up new habits in a very structured way. If I know that they are conceptual in, in some way and they're thinking big picture and they want to be creative, if I gave them structured and, and I want you to behave in this box, they're pushing at every side to get out. Mm. So it helps me from that perspective, but it really helps them understand who they are, where their strengths lie, where their energy is, where they will be exhausted. They can do different tasks, but they have to bookend it, I always say. Yeah. So it really helps them understand themselves. And right. So we start there with that strong so foundation. So some self-awareness. Yes, yeah. exactly. And then... I will work with them on writing, speaking. So I have a lot of clients say, I'm going to send this email. It's usually when there's a difficult message to share. Can you look at it? And I literally go through it and say, this is weak. Put this instead. Really? Yes. So there is a tool, a, a plug-in called Just Not Sorry. We can include that link too. Yeah, just not sorry. Yes, and it is like a spell check, but for weak language. Are you kidding it's me? It's phenomenal. So it underlines, and they're adding words on a daily basis. Wow, that right. now that is amazing because right. I was gonna, that was going to be my next question. By the right. way, you're going into that is after you've helped bolster and help people find their confidence. Right. What do we do about this weak language right. that we are just used to using out exactly. of habit without right. meaning it to be that way? Exactly. So we start with writing because that's easier, right? You can push the delete button. Yeah. You can review it. And then I ask them to pay attention to what are the words. I give them a list of weak language. What are the words that they find themselves, they hear themselves using? And then we say, okay, in that situation, what could you use instead? Instead of apologizing because someone else made a mistake, that that's when we came up with, I, I appreciate and I understand your frustration. Right. So we, I always give them an alternative so that they know instead of saying this, I'm going to say this. Now, do you find people, when you're at that stage of evaluating where they're at, do you find people that go to the opposite side like me that always says, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. I say it's amazing probably three or four times a day. And then sometimes I'm like, I said amazing a lot today. <laughs> I need to come up with, that's the bomb. I need, <laughs> I need like better words because I, I feel that way. But does it take away some of your your passion and power no. if it's too much? No, no, no. No, and I've never told someone, stop saying that. <laughs> That's the, that's the bomb. <laughs> now you got me thinking, but no, I have never had that. It's not occur. a good. It's not a good thing to say. Yes. I mean, it might age us a little. Our kids might not know what we're talking about, but yeah. we could, we should use that word more because that's oh, awesome. definitely yeah. yes yes. <laughs> okay, so you're at the stage where you help them, you know, you help them develop where they're at, create some self awareness. Um, then you're coaching them through practice, starting in in writing situations to right. develop how their language is developing and reflecting right. where they're they're right. aware of themselves. At. Right, and the confidence piece always comes in. Right. So we talk about it typically is certain individuals that take away their confidence. And I'll be honest with you and the many thousands listening yes. that early on in my career, we were living in Boston. I was working at Harvard University when I got to meet Quincy Jones. Which we and, need to talk about. Yes, so we'll yes. go ahead. Yeah. And they sent me on my first work trip. I was probably 23. I was wearing my Ann Taylor, you know, either a blue or tan suit. Yeah. And they sent me to New York to meet with one of our donors who was working at a hedge fund. Now, this was mid-90s. Okay. And I prepared and I studied and I tried really hard to understand what it was that this guy did on a daily basis. 
And I just didn't. I didn't. I, it went over my head. You didn't get You couldn't get it. Not deep. I got it yeah. on the superficial yeah, level. Right. But if you were asked questions about it, no, you would have struggled. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, it was enough that I could engage him and build a yeah. relationship with him. But my confidence took such a hit on that trip. It was my first work trip. I took the yeah. shuttle from Boston to New York. That right. was a big deal. Right. And, uh, and, and ever since then, when I'm in front of private equity, venture capitalists, anyone in that world, I have to prepare more than if I was coming to meet you or going to meet, I work with a lot of attorneys and accountants. So it's a balance, but it's something I became aware of. Not when I was 23, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now would you just sit across somebody that opened that conversation and just say, I have no idea what you're talking about? Well, no, I would, I would not because that's weak language. I would say, can you explain this further? See, just fix so You would just right. say, can you explain this? Right. I don't have to take the blame that I don't understand. I'm not in your world. Why should I understand exactly what a venture capitalist does? So He's not in my world, right? Or she. They don't understand what I do on a daily basis. Love it. Right? So, yeah. it's, so it's bringing up that awareness. Where does your confidence take a dip? It might be with a colleague that you work with. It might be with uh, people of a certain level. It might be people in a certain industry. So I know I met a couple of years ago, was meeting with a client. They brought in their private equity person into the conversation. I was more prepared for that meeting than any meeting I've ever had. And when he pushed back and said, wait, first you said this and now you're saying this, I was prepared. He didn't understand what I was saying. In that moment, I could have said, oh, sorry, you know, my bad. Right. That's another one I hate. Right. My bad. Right. He wasn't listening. He was spacing out. Maybe he'd pulled out his phone and he didn't see the connection between the two points I had made. So did you develop confidence by being more prepared? Yes. And that's what works for me. That right. doesn't work for everyone. Right. I have a, a very dear friend who speaks a couple times a month on big stages. And she was sharing with me that she was going to Houston to, to do this talk. And she said, yeah, I just wing it. I love just showing up there and just being relaxed and just having a conversation. That works for her. And she's phenomenal. That wouldn't work for me. Right. That, I'd be sweating up a storm <laughs> if that was me. But what I tell people when it comes to confidence is one, to recognize where it's taken a dip so that you can be prepared or, or anticipate Like that. address it in your own way, exactly, however you need on your to. time. Yeah. But also to look for opportunities where you've gotten positive feedback, where maybe someone has given you a great review, where a client has said to you, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Mm. This is fantastic. To to keep a log, that a girl, that a boy log, that tracks this and reminds you so when you take a dip, you can go back and read that log. I also talk about mastery and to master a specific skill or to become really good at something. It doesn't mean you have to be the number one master of this skill in the world, but in the room that you're in, you are the master. You are the most knowledgeable of this particular area. And what happens when we build up that mastery is then we gain confidence to do it in another area. Mm, yes, I believe that so much, Julie. It's like 
I use that in fitness a lot. That's why right. I set these really astronomical, interesting, crazy fitness goals, like right. doing a strongman competition. Right. And, and I'm, a, you know, I teach Krav Maga, not right. as much as I'd like to lately, but I, I teach Krav Maga. And those journeys are huge. Right. And part of it is just because when you get to a certain place or you learn something new or you accomplish something new, even if it's just a new personal record on how much weight right. you put on the bar, right. it gives you a boost of confidence. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And to focus on that rather on, I didn't do this or I don't know this area, mm. but I am a master here. So I always remind people, you know, give yourself that boost. Remind yourself where you hold expertise. Interesting. Yeah. It's really good. You said something to me when we were first chatting about this topic um, and it stuck with me and it was that being an effective communicator is, is not just knowing your stuff, knowing your language and how you present it, but it's understanding how the person listening. Exactly. And that, that kind of changed my perspective a little because I find that in my industry, um, my company's corporate cause agency, and I work with a lot of businesses that don't know how to navigate their charitable partnerships. And I come from a charitable background. I've, you know, that's, that's my experience. Right. So I can use industry speak without even realizing it. And it was right. a couple of weeks ago, I said to someone something about blah, 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 community partnership. And she said, wait, hang on. What exactly do you mean when you're talking about a community partner? And I'm right. like, seriously? Right. I use that I use that phrase like all day. And it kind of took me aback and it reminded me of what you said, which is that if your audience isn't isn't if you're not speaking in their language, they're not right. gonna be able to understand right. you. So that's another big piece to this puzzle, right? Right, exactly. And you can't influence them. Right. In that situation, if she if she hadn't spoken up and said, Hold on a second, what's a community partnership? Which that was the other thing we connected on. Yeah. that space but yeah. if they don't understand you they check out a little bit maybe not completely but they check out and your ability to impact them or influence them diminishes so this feels like a lot of work to become a good communicator it feels like you have yes. to like because this every situation is going to be different i mean even if you and i were to start talking about charitable partnerships and i wanted right. to get my message across to you I would have to speak in a way that I knew you would be able to understand it. But how do I know what you're going to understand until you start the conversation? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so the big thing is great leaders listen. Mm-hmm. Mind blowing. But yes, that's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you start paying attention to what are the kinds of questions that I'm asking you? Where do I light up? Am I really focused on people? Or am I focused on processes? Or do you really need to make the case and show me the value of getting involved in the community? Or do I need to hear all the possibilities that are out there? And this all stems back to the foundation that Emergenetics has set, which is why I love the tool so much, that we can understand how to talk to one another when we know where they're coming from and what's important to them. This is amazing. You're sharing such good information. Thank you. I I think that I, I if 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 we if I could just ask you like to repeat that again yes. <laughs> because it's I think that that's so important um, say that again and say it in a way that is applicable to anyone anywhere because this is this is so important yeah so the piece about speaking to each other so we can yeah. be heard yeah so if you think about that if you want to impact and influence those around you and you want to move the needle or you want to get the okay on a project or you want funding for something or you want to raise or you're negotiating for something, speak their language so they hear you and that you're identifying their needs, what they need to hear, 
and not what you need to say. Mm, yes, so, honestly, that was my favorite part yeah. right there. That yeah. is that is so powerful. Right. So I had a, a, a number of years ago. I was working at a research center on uh, at Boston College around. Um, community involvement and one of the women I worked with fantastic we have a great relationship she needed data and I was giving her anecdotal information Mm. and it took us a while to figure out the disconnect the miscommunication that was happening I was telling her stories oh I talked to this company and this is what was going on and this is their struggles and these are the challenges and this is what I think that they'll end up doing and how they'll engage with us and the whole time she's thinking to herself I want numbers I want data, when, how, how much. And I'm giving her these anecdotal stories, and it was a disconnect. Mm -hmm. And once we figured that out, it was great. The communication was much easier. We we created a spreadsheet, I inputted the data she needed, and it was all good. But I was giving her the information that I wanted, and that I enjoyed, and that energized me. I wasn't thinking about, what does she need? And everybody's different. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this is so interesting. So this is what you do, right? You this is this is how you help people become um, more effective communicators. Exactly. In all, and and I'm sure that once you learn this, it doesn't matter if you're learning it as a solopreneur or scaling a business or in any position in business. Whatever you do, when you're working with other people, because we all do, we work with people. Right. Becoming an effective communicator in one situation will carry over to totally. all. And I can't, I can't even, I'm trying to picture how that will impact the, how you communicate with your children. Yes. Because think about how differently kids right. know, learn and intake right. information. I mean, I, I still am out with people and say I need to use the potty. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, you can't be doing that. I know. I need to stop. But I, I mean, we're talking, you know, a lot of years of a lot right. of kids. Right. But I, I think that we get really good at communicating in this area or in this segment over here and finding ways and understanding that you're going to have to communicate differently in all areas. Right. right. So I had a client say to me, he managed, he had a big team, and um, but there, there were two people that he managed that were complete opposites. And he said to me, this is really hard, as you had just said, right? How do I, I got to communicate to this one one way, to Sean one way, and to Mike the other way, and I I can't do it, I can't remember. And I'm thinking to myself, this is your job. You are the head of North America. This is your job. This is what you have to do. And when he was able to, using Emergenetics, see, okay, this is how I need to speak to Sean. I'm going to tell him a project. I'm going to be a resource to him, but I... I can leave him alone. He's going to go do it. If there's a problem, he'll come back and let me know. And and I'll let him know how I want him to keep me updated. But Mike over here, I got to step into his office every single week. Whenever I'm in town, I need to stop by. Otherwise, he thinks that I don't know what I'm doing and doesn't like me and doesn't want to work hard for me mm. and won't listen to me when I'm trying to influence him in a certain way. And once he made that connection, that it's as simple as that, what that took like 10 seconds to describe each of them, he was good. He understood it. So it's not as though I gotta communicate to every single person differently, but rather understand what do they need and what can I give them? Mm. And if you don't have the uh, flexibility or the the joy of taking the Emergenetics profile and having me come in and 
blowing yeah. your world, right. uh, <laughs> you know, you can start paying attention to them and just yeah. and even ask that question. What do you need from me? Even just listening and and again those nonverbal cues. I remember being in a conversation with a, a group of colleagues and there was one person who didn't speak up most of the meeting and I kept looking over there every time I was speaking about a specific area of the project and he was he would kinda like scrunch up his eyes and mm-hmm. I'd see him make some notes and I, it dawned on me he has absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. Right. He was confused and the way that his forehead was like crunching <laughs> up and everybody else in the room got it. So what I did was um, I re I said it in a different way because people mm-hmm. learn differently. So exactly. I said it in a completely different way just for his benefit in this particular meeting. And all of a sudden he asked a question. Right. And I'm like, okay. And I, it was kind of a, that was an interesting process for me because I really could feel because we would have just gone on without him and he right. would have just been left behind. He right. And just, if he didn't speak up. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's very, it, it's so smart of you to be in tune to that. Not everyone is. Yeah. But there's, we, we were to start the conversation by talking about that nonverbal, yeah. right? And what people do and don't do. This is a topic I talk about all day, every day. I'm immersed in it. I'm researching. I'm reading about it. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. A couple of months ago, I was doing a talk around confidence. And I walked into a room. It was at a company had brought me in to do this talk. And there must have been something going on that day. They were, they seemed to me pretty distracted. So here I am standing in the front of the room, you know, my PowerPoint on the screen, talking about confidence. And what's going through my head is they don't like what I'm saying. They're not engaged. Oh my God, they're not listening. No one's taking notes. All of these things. And what's happening is that bucket of confidence is totally getting drained. Wow. Right? So here, even for me, so in that moment, I'm on the one hand trying to give a talk and be engaging and maybe get a couple laughs. Yeah. And do the self-talk and coach myself. What do you know? You're the expert. They're they're processing this internally and reminding myself of all of these things. It happens. Right. And then the feedback I got from that was phenomenal and they're bringing me back. So, you know, it's sort of the story we tell ourselves in our heads that can get the worst of us and can derail something, right? That could have totally gone off the deep end if, if I hadn't done that so even you know this happens to the best of us <laughs> right so this yeah. is a process that we should all oh, be doing yes. and focusing yes. on all the time yes especially those of us that speak in in front of audiences and right. to large quantities of people because you want to be effective in your communication or why would you do it right you want people to hear you you yes. have something to share and yes. if you're not sharing it in a way that is reaching them you're 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 missing you know you're you're missing out right but you know that situation where you're looking into the audience and oh, you're yes. just getting blank stares or they're on their phones which kills me yes right and and then you get one person who's nodding their head you're like okay I'm good I'm good they like what I have to say <laughs> I mean I've been in I've taught a few Krav Maga classes that have been large where it must just be like the I can just feel the energy go down yes. sometimes to me it's about the energy not that they're not listening right but the time of the day the weather yes. it's people are tired right and it's like dinner time and right. and so then I feel like I can do a little something to raise everybody's exactly. energy and we we have tools that we use and how we teach that helps raise the energy in the room which of course I'm I'm very cognizant of energy in a room. And I I think that that helps that I can see it that way. But there have been a few times where it's like blah. Right. And I'm like, oh, my God. Right. So in my case, I just make them do burpees and turn the music up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, we hate burpees. I know. I know. No, I I, but I do understand what you're saying, because people at different times, they're just they're not always going to get it. Or they're so deeply listening to what you're saying. They're like, oh, 
my gosh, this is so deep. Right. I, I'm just concentrating. And that right. can feel and to you processing. like blocked off. Yeah. Right. They're just yeah. processing it. Right. right. And there's, I'll sit in a, in a, in a group setting and I will always have the people, what they can't, our audience can't see us, but nodding yeah. their heads and yeah. smiling. And so I tend to talk to them, but I still need to talk to the person who has a complete poker face because inside they're smiling and nodding their heads. Yeah. <laughs> or inside they're thinking, I just dropped a level of confidence there because she just basically told me all of the weak language that yes. I use. Yes. And, and now I'm thinking that. about it. Right. Yeah. But I'm sure you bring that back up in a way that they learn from. But yeah, this is exactly. such interesting stuff, Julie. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think that we, you know, we're we're getting close to time and we didn't really get to talk about Harvard. So we're gonna we're gonna have to talk about it another time. Yeah. But I do think that our listeners have a lot to learn from you. So I am gonna put this shout out out there. I'm going to put it in the notes. We are going to do a, a, a week language. Yes. What should we call it? A week language Zoom meeting? Yes. Something. So, so here's what I suggest. Okay. Pay attention. If there was a word that was said today that you find that you're using, I'm sorry, I think, I believe, just anything where you're prefacing your actual question, make note of it, write it down. Mm. Tell someone that you work with or in the situation that you find yourself using that word. Tell them, I'm working on this. I would love your help. Anytime you hear me say, I think, or or undermine myself some way, and give me a wink or get a signal going. Right. That external help will, will be huge. And then think about what's the word you're going to replace it with. Hmm. That would be great to share yeah in this group to to figure out yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna put a i'm gonna put some pictures and, and notes about this and anybody that listens to the podcast and wants to make some of those notes will will set up mm-hmm. and and the truth is is people could be listening to this way down the road so right we're, we're like in february of right. 2019 so yeah. you know plan for this kind of little meeting thing to happen in, in like march of 2019 so if after that you're gonna have to talk to julie right. directly right and <laughs> you, well you, you know what else language to her i'll send you a list so that people can see nice you know, the, the weak language and what to replace it. With. Oh, that would be amazing. Yes. Wonderful. So, Julia, how can people reach you if they have questions for you, if they would like more information? Sure. So my website is juliehalunga.com, H-O-L-U-N-G-A. And we'll put that in the show notes. Yes. And if you're looking for, I do one-on-one coaching. I also run a leadership program, skill development program for mid-career professional women. So someone who has at least eight years of experience and is currently managing people and or projects. And this is a program, if you happen to be in Denver, this will launch on, the next cohort will launch on March 21st. It is a phenomenal program. Our alumni, this will be our sixth cohort. Our alumni have gone on to get huge promotions to weather storms that they did not think that they could weather to speak up to use strong leadership language and they're learning how to give feedback and how to lead high-performing teams and they're learning about themselves we are going to run this virtually but not yet but yes (laughs) awesome yeah that sounds amazing and i know that you have this more than once so if if you're listening after this has yeah if after this has taken place you do them often so people know that this can always come and this will be on your website yes okay awesome so listen thank you so much i know that we really just we surface level you know talked about this and we didn't even really get to talk a lot about hockey and (laughs) and life after hockey because i'm in the after hockey years we'll have to talk about that yes Yes. and you're still in the hockey yeah 
yes. and I, I remember telling you that I gained like 15 hours a week back in my yeah. life when my son stopped playing hockey. Not driving to the rink three times a day. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. But um, I'm. it's such a pleasure to meet you and, and learn more about what you do. I think yes. that it's amazing and you're helping a lot of people. So that's Thank really you. great. Thank you. This has been really fun. Yeah. And I, of course, you know, I have one final question, right. which is important. And that is what percentage of grit and grace are you? Yeah. So I would say... Probably 75% grit. Yes, I will tell you sometimes. uh, This morning I got a tough email and I responded in my head, not actually sending the email. Let's clarify. Let's clarify (laughs) with um, no grace whatsoever. Yeah. Yes. So I do tend to respond really with that grit more than than grace but i see the power of both obviously yeah, i yeah. think so too i think we all strive for equal 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 parts yes. grit and grace but honestly most of the guests and people i connect with like you we are way more gritty. <laughs> yes i mean this is not a surprise yes and that's why you know my daughter i say she's probably like 95 percent grit so, so we're we trying to increase we just need to bulk her up and increase the grace part of it a yeah, little bit well maybe when she's playing hockey we just need to bulk her up you know yeah. we just need to get her like over 100 pounds yeah and then we'll that worry about the grace. like 10 years from That's now. That's like a lot of steak and a yeah, lot of a donuts. Lot. <laughs> and milkshakes. And milkshakes. Yeah. Anyway, Julie, thank you so much thank for you joining for having me. me. And thank you for listening to another episode of Grit and Grace. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please make sure you leave us a rating. Um, tell us what you think about the show. And if you're on the ladieschitchatclub.com, go check out our other shows. We have some really great podcasts. And I, you can find me at the bottom of where you're listening to this. There's a spot to send a message or post a comment. We always love your feedback. Thank Thanks, and we'll talk to you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, do not forget to visit our new subscription box site, Grit, Grace, and Glory at gx3box.com. There you can find out how you can sign up to receive monthly inspiration, education, and some special stuff to help celebrate you. And the best part is every box will have a contribution to a nonprofit or a social enterprise because we all know we like to be our best and give back to the community at the same time. So don't miss out, gx3box.com.